Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you so much for being here again this morning. Um, one special opportunity that we've got coming up after this service, um, you can stay after. Uh, if you are interested, we are going to be talking a little bit about um, a, an opportunity that you've got to get more connected, not just into our church, but specifically into Christian community in the form of a group that will meet on a regular basis, really um, digging into God's Word, sharing that with each other, uh, really purpose to do what the church is designed to do, which is to build each other up, um, to be to be present in each other's lives. We're going to be talking a little bit about that this morning. Um, not talking about just making friends, um, but a byproduct of being in that kind of regular Christian, Christian community is that we form deeper relationships with each other as we seek a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and really, that's that's kind of just um, quite candidly. I mean, that's that's a little that's a lot of the the fourth goal that we're going to talk about today, um, which is really finding that home and finding that process in life this year in 2022. Um, as I've been really praying over this and, and really seeking the Lord on this and going through a lot of scripture, um, what I really saw Him continue to bring me back to was a lot of different passages about um, Jesus and his disciples. Um, now, there's a unique thing that we really need to look into when we look at Jesus and his disciples, because this was not just Jesus and a group of friends, even though it, it had to be really fun. Um, this past week, I had a chance to speak at a um, kind of small college conference um, through our state convention. So I got a chance to hang out with a bunch of college students. Um, they were kind of grouped up from groups that they're in, small groups, church groups, uh, campus ministry groups from from different parts of the state. And it was a lot of fun because I felt like I was the, like, if you, if you don't know how old you are, go hang out with college students, right? Like, I can have fun with anybody, but I am noticing there are more and more times where a word or phrase gets said, and I'm like, hmm, huh? I don't watch enough YouTube. I, but, but at this point, I'm like, you know what? I could dive into YouTube and probably catch up. Mm, oh, no, don't have time for that. That's got other things to do, right? So here's, here's kind of what I saw. I, I saw. I saw real great community. Um, and, and I saw, I didn't see it just because it was that season of life, because there was a lot of different age groups there. Um, and as I really read over the last several weeks, so many stories about Jesus and his disciples, um, and, and, and there's such fullness of just how that discipleship process, how that growing in their faith worked. I mean, th this group started by just answering a, hey, will you walk, will you stand up and move from where you are? and just travel, just, just, come, just come see what I'm about. They went from there to fully, at the end of their lives especially, fully in commitment, sacrificing, many of them, their lives for Jesus, for their faith. Now, that's, that's a number of years, and that's a journey, but it had to start somewhere. It's got to start somewhere. And one of my prayers is for our church that, that there is a lot of starting points this year that really happen, or restart points. Because when, when we look at, and we're, we're going to be in Luke chapter 22 this morning, well, the, the passage, I, I mean, I read so many, so many stories. Because if you think about it, and, and, and here's where I find myself um, kind, of, um, kind of narrowing into, so you know kind of where this is coming from. Um, many of the stories I kept seeing, I kept feeling like the Lord was highlighting, especially some interactions between Jesus and specifically Simon Peter. Because he was one of his disciples who, it, it was kind of like the best of the best and the worst of the worst. And, and you didn't know on that day, which one you were going to get. It was always super exciting, I'm sure. And, and there were so many growth steps in his life. I mean, when you, if, you, if you know the story, if you know a little bit of Peter's story even, and you think about the end of, of the time that he had with Jesus here on earth, he had just come, come out of what we would probably refer to as one of the biggest 
if not the biggest failures of his life. Yet we see Jesus calling him into a regular day-to-day ministry, not just to kind of encourage himself, but to really pour out into other people. So there had to be confidence in all that Jesus had poured into his life and all that he knew that he equipped Peter to do, that even after an amazing screw-up, that he would hang this responsibility on his shoulders. I mean, consider how, what kind of beliefs somebody would have to have in you. I mean, really, just personalize this for a moment. If you messed up, I mean, I'm talking the greatest mistake you could ever make, and if you had somebody in your life that would look at you because, of they, because they knew what was, what was in you in discipleship, they knew who the Lord was to you, and, and they had walked with you faithfully, and, and even in that moment, they didn't just say, oh, you're a horrible person. They didn't just say, hey, chin up, feel better. But they, they said, let's keep moving forward. That's the kind of relationship that it seems like we would almost beg for in our life, that we would just need. Because it, it, it didn't start in that moment. It started way back when Jesus just said, hey, Peter, follow me. You're fishing. I'm, I'm going to change what you're fishing for. Follow me. And it was a lot of hiccups on the way. I mean, Peter would, Peter would just publicly just question Jesus. And in patience, Jesus would go, hold, hold your roll, bro. Let's, like, let's, let's slow down for a second you got to understand something. And sometimes Jesus would come back at him, I mean, like firm and without question. And he needed those talks. And sometimes it was over to the side. Sometimes it was just all that Peter could take in, all that he could do to take in the miracle that he saw in front of him. I mean, think about it. Walking on water, feeding 20,000 people. I mean, stuff that there's no physical explanation for, along with all just the, the teaching moments. You know, when we think about the time that these these folks had together. I don't know if you watch um, uh, the, uh, the app, The uh, Chosen. I don't know if you've watched that, but one of the great things I think that that shows is just how often at the end of the night they were sitting around a campfire. They were just having conversations and talking. And, and, and that's not the major events that we have recorded many times in Scripture, but it's, it was the meat of life, the meat of discipleship. You know what else? The, I mean, the popular number, the consistent popular number of what the disciples, Jesus and his disciples walked just during those three years is about 3,100 miles. That's just kind of the popular agreed upon number. So as they just walked 3,100 miles, you think you're going to walk 3,100 in silence? No, you're going to be talking. You're getting explanations for what you just left. You're getting prepped for what you're getting ready to go into. All this is happening through this discipleship, through this life journey together. I want to look at um, this one passage in Luke 22, um, and this is going to be this is going to be three verses, and it's going to seem real short. But I want you to just I want you to really think about the volume that's in these three verses. Now, when we when we read texts that involve Jesus and his disciples, many of us may say, "Okay, I'm not Jesus." Agreed upon, right? Like that's that's not who we are, but that's who's in us. So when we look at Jesus and his disciples, we need to appreciate the environment as this is, a, this is a leader working with followers, but this leader is Jesus. And, and when we transfer our experience into now this life that we live, no, Jesus is not in anybody's small group. But here's the beauty of it. Jesus is in everyone that's in the small group. Right? So that's so so what we have here is, is we have the potential for the Jesus voice and presence, but we also have the potential, the reality 
of, of all those that are present and, and what comes in with life and the struggles and the victories and all that stuff um, that we even started really thinking about last week. Now, I want to I start in verse 31, but then we're going to skip over 32 for, for, a, for a purpose, and then we'll come back to it. This is, uh, all right, so this is, this is the Lord's, this is the Last Supper. This is, this is at the moment that Jesus is coming to the disciples, and he's inviting them into this moment of really taking in the understanding of what his sacrifice is getting ready to look like. They, they don't get it. They don't get it. Poor guys, right? And, and, and these guys, they're, they're young. They're college and young adults. That's the age of these guys that are in this room. And Jesus is even in these moments at this supper trying to explain to them really key understandings. Um, the passage that's immediately before this, um, he, he says to them basically this. He said, think about who is normally greater in your minds, the person that's sitting at the, the, the table eating or those that are serving the people at the table. The, of course, their minds went right to, well, the, the people that are sitting at the table, they're being served. Jesus says, yeah, but, but check this out. Do you see in this process that, that you're the ones at the table? I'm actually the one that's serving you. He flipped the understanding on him. He's trying to show them, yes, you would say on a regular day-to-day basis that in, in your life, I've become the most important person, yet I'm the one that's serving you. So what does that now teach you about what you should be doing? So, th- I mean, it's, it's that discipleship, mind-shaping kind of moment, but it's, it's day in, day out. It's walking, it's talking, it's eating, it's fellowshipping, it's everything. Now, Jesus is now going to shift the conversation towards um, not the best news in the world. Um, I don't know if you're good at uh, bringing up difficult conversations. Uh, my philosophy is just cannonball right into them, right? Like, like you can, I mean, yes, it, I mean, I, I, I appreciate setting up the room, but sometimes if we, we take way too long to just set, up, set the table for a tough conversation. Um, if I, here's what I find that's, that's so helpful in my life. If I'm getting ready to be talked to by someone that I know loves the Lord and loves me, I'm, I'm at a spiritual healthy place if it's, okay, that's all the, t- that's all the t- place settings that we need. And we can now talk about what's really going on. Jesus says in verse 31, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Now, in the Greek, this particular you is plural. So the understanding would be is that, that Jesus, for a specific reason, is now talking to Peter, but he's including everybody else at the table. Now, it, this doesn't refer just to the, 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 the hardness of Judas's heart where he's already betrayed Christ. This is something that's getting ready to happen to all the other ones. The, the, as we might say, the, the good ones, the better ones. The ones that really um, ha- had a genuine, seems like, love for the Lord. So he's talking to them about something that's getting ready to happen in their life. Now, there's a couple things that come up in just this first, this first verse that I, that I think really needs understanding. The first one I want to talk about kind of Kind of big question. This, this has a very similar reading to, to what we see in Job. When we see the story um, even penned by Job's own heart as he was inspired, I believe, by the Holy Spirit to, to give evidence of what God had communicated to him. That, that there was also this, this approach of Satan to God to say, hey, listen, um, I, I, I want a shot at this guy because I don't think he's as solid, God, as what everybody else thinks he is. So give me a shot at him. I, th- I think I can get him to absolutely cuss like a sailor and wrap your name in it. And God sets some parameters and gives him a go. Through God's permission and through his sovereignty, Satan had a go at Job. 
And Jesus, God himself in flesh, seems to be saying here, listen, Peter, talking to you, talking to everybody, you, you all, Satan has made a request. And the evidence of what he's getting ready to explain is, is that in God's allowance, he's going to get a go at it. Now, the, the tough life question is, is, come on, God, why? Right? I mean, if, if, we're, if we just say it the way we think it, all right, first, like, God, if, if, if these are your children, why in the world would you let Satan have a, have a moment of temptation and attack towards those that you've redeemed? And, and maybe bigger question, like, if we know that Satan loses in the end, Jesus wins, why not just end him now? Why give him, as, as the Bible says, a level of authority and influence in this present world that we live in? Why? Now, sometimes I look at a question and I see evidence that there is a, there is a gap that says in Isaiah that, that God's mind is, is so much more holy and pure than mine that, that there will be some, some gap and, and lack of understanding. And I think in some of that, there is, there's a measure of that in this. But I also do believe that the Bible speaks to the, fulfill, the fullness of time, um, why there's a significance in um, God's victory through Jesus on the cross after he's betrayed, you know, why use certain things, why allow certain things, um, and, and how it impacts, impacts us seeing the full glory of God and his glory being known. I think the Bible speaks, I, I really believe, in, in, and I, I feel like I could show you. If we, I mean, we just had, man, we were just like, you know what? Hey, we got nothing else going on. Let's just dig in for a few hours. I believe, that, I believe that we could get there together. I believe we could see enough evidence to see why this does go on. We don't have that kind of time, but that time is open. If you struggle with that kind of big life question, big faith question, then let's, let's have those kind of conversations. Uh, but I want you to leave here with, with a mindset of, th there, if God does it, there is a purpose. If he allows it, there is a purpose. And, and, and this is a refining thing. Now, the other thing that, that I think is really important for us to really look at in this passage is, is this. Um, specifically, Jesus talks about what kind, of, um, what kind of attack, what kind of process that Satan wants to put Peter through. And he uses the word sifting. Now, um, in their culture, everybody would have understood the process of, of moving wheat from growing in the field to the, the products that you're going to cook. Towards the end of the refinement process, there was a sifting. Now, a sieve would have, it, it was about two, two and a half foot wide, um, wooden rails, about five or six inches tall. Now, when we sift things, we're trying to like break flour up and, and get it to just kind of all be loose when it goes in so it, it, it bakes better. For them, sifting was about separating the parts of, of what you wanted to process. So when they would sift, um, in the process of, of having wheat come out, it would pick up little pebbles, it would pick up dirt, um, there would be a lot of things that would be in there. It, there, would be, there would be small rocks in there, um, there would be weeds, um, and, and it would go in this, this sifter, this sieve, and I mean this is a two, two and a half foot tool, and, and it would be leaned up a little bit, and, and this was a violent shaking process, right? Like this, this process was meant for some of those things to fall through the reeds and different things to cross. Some, some of the purpose was just to like get things out. Some of the purpose was to separate things. 
We don't know exactly where Satan saw Peter in this, but what we know from that process is, is that there was a belief, there was a hope in Satan's mind that if I, can, if I can get Peter in a set of circumstances, I can shake this boy up so hard that he won't be in the goodness that, that, that God can use and he's trying to separate. And, and I think Satan's argument was, I think he's a bunch of, I think he's dumb as a box of rocks. And those rocks that separate into this one pouch, I think he's going to show his ignorance. Or I think he's, I think he's a fake. I, th- I don't think he's really real. And he'll just fall through because he doesn't have enough faith that will cling on there. We don't know what it was, but the indication is, is that this was going to be a pretty vigorous process. This was, this was going to be felt. If, if wheat had feelings, it would say, ouch, in the sifting process. Now, is that, he says, look out, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Now, just from that beginning, Jesus is telling him that just because you go through this process doesn't mean that, number one, you can't be aware that it could happen and prepared for it. His words, look out, is is just, I believe, a really short way of saying, if you could take all that I've taught you and who I am, just generally a pretty basic awareness of events would be enough for you to make it through this process. Now, Jesus knows that it's not, he's not going to get all checks on this one. Verse 33, this is Peter's response. I think this says a lot about ourselves. He says, Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus' response, I tell you, Peter, he said, the rooster will, the rooster will not crow today until you deny me three times, or you deny three times that you know me. So, so here's Peter, right? And, and, and think about this. Peter says, listen, I will go to jail. I will die for you. And Jesus is just like, Pete, dude, you're not, you're, you're not going to have to die for me. They're not even going to put handcuffs on you. It's just, Peter, it's literally just going to be a few hours where like three people are going to ask you, do you know me? We go, hang on a second. How does somebody whose, whose heart conviction is, I will go to jail for you, I will die for you, how does that, how does that person not make it through about a, just a few more hours where it's just people go like, you know him, right? You know him? Now, uh, okay, you ever been asked this? Is that your kid? Even on that question, some of us are like, no, I've got, like me, I've, no, I've got three daughters, right? Like, I just, I just sidestep, I'm just trying, smoking mirrors, like, right, just poof, just, like, get, get away from it all. We, I, I, I tend to, I, I, I really believe, have more confidence in what I will do for the Lord than probably often what gets played out in my life. And you say, well, hang on a second. So, so how do we really gauge the scripture? Consider the measure of difference. In my heart, I want to believe. I will go to jail. I will die for you. And, and so many times, the circumstances of my life are really just about identifying with Christ in my conversations, in the way I parent, the way I lead, um, the way I do whatever, the way I work myself through the self-checkout at a grocery store. Do you know Jesus? Does it show that stuff? And, and, and I want to think, man, like I'm here for the big moments. 
And really, the struggle so many times for us is the ordinary life. And that's what Jesus tells Peter. Now, I want to look at, though, how he sets Peter up, not just for the moment, but really, really long term, prior to even telling him exactly what happens. And it, and it is exact. You want to know, all right, like, how, why do, how can we really call um, God just a good, good father? Well, and, and being God, Jesus tells one of his followers exactly what's going to happen before it happens, and doggone if it doesn't happen. Does that not sound like parenting? Yeah, it's exactly like it. Okay, so verse 32. After Jesus tells him that Satan has made a request And the indication is this is going to be granted by the Lord and there's a purpose for this. Satan has gone to God to want to shake Peter up. Jesus, how does Jesus serve Peter? He does the same thing, but consider the difference of the effect. And and when we look at, okay, in in our lives, Lord, um, the the difficult circumstances, what what is the weight of that? against, and we talked a lot about this kind of thought process in, in Grace That Is Greater, what is, what is the difference between the weight of the difficulty in my life and the weight of what you can do? I mean, Jesus gives us a really simple explanation. Satan got a yes because he wants to shake you up. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Now, you may, we may say, hang on a second. He denied him, but did his, did his life end? Did he, was he never a Jesus follower again? His faith may not have been in the moment all that it could be, but it was at least through the power of Jesus what it needed to be in the rebound process. Now, I don't believe that what Jesus wants for us is for it to be a series of mistakes in life, only to come back and go, I'll do better next time. I believe Jesus wants us to confess him in the moment, always. But man, praise the Lord, even when we we don't come through in that moment, I have not lost all my faith in Jesus because he's the one that gave it to me. I mean, if Peter totally fell away based on what Jesus says in, in the four Gospels, then Jesus would be no good at what he did for three years. So he said, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and you. Now, at this point, he, he shifts it, right? He shifts it from public plural, you, to singular, you, Simon Peter. Right, now this is a hard shift. You know what a hard shift is, right? You ever, who, just, just curious, who in here knows how to drive a straight drive? Okay, we got enough. Just in case we get a truck stuck in something out here, a tractor. We got enough people. I mean, we're good. We, we, I mean, we are, we are in Brown Summit. I, I forgot myself. Um, th- this is a hard shift because, because the way he says this is now going to single out Peter now, remember, this is prior to Peter, you, singular, are going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Like it's going to sound off. Right. This, is, this is still really calling him out in a preparation moment. He says, and you, when you have turned back. Wow. Jesus has not told him about his future denial yet. But how intimately does, does he know his life? There will be a moment where you will turn back in full confidence in your faith in me. You will turn back. You will, you will retreat from this moment of regret. You, you will see that there's a greater purpose in your life, and you will get to a moment where you will say, no, my path is not going to be denial. It's going to be confession. And, I, and, and Lord, I'm going to live for you. He said, you, there will be a turn back moment. 
And Jesus is preparing him for the failure and even the victory. I mean, I, I don't see how much more we can ask. He says, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I'll be straight with you. I never really saw the, the, the weight of that last phrase before studying for this message. And, and it sounds like it sounds like a precursor to, 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 to a greater call that Jesus is getting ready to put on Peter. Go feed my sheep. Remember that one? This, I believe, is not a precursor. I believe this is, this is, this is grown-up, stand-alone statement. He's telling someone, catch this, who is about to fail him and deny him, who's going to be shaken up. He's going to be put in, in this spiritual sieve and just jerked around until the evidence of, of garbage in his life does come out. And after that, Jesus tells him, what I'm going to do in you, you go and do in others. D did you hear that? Because that's, that's Christian community. He says, listen, you, what I'm going to do in your life, Peter, is going to be good for ten other guys that are going to be in your circle. It is going to be significant for you, but it is, it is imperative that you then go take that and you pour it into each of these lives. That's what's going to happen. Because there's, there was going to be there was going to be failure in all of their lives. They all ran. Nobody fully stuck around. Nobody fully stuck around. But Jesus, this is how he works in Christian community. And I want you to think about this. It, you think about so much of what we think, okay, Jesus, do this in me, do this and do this in me. And, and, and we think about it being for me. But, but that's only the first wave of grace. The second wave of grace is, is, okay, why did God do that in you and in me? Because of maybe ten around us. Maybe one around us. Some, some, some number, that's how he wants this to work. Because the, the pace that Jesus set for them, they continued to follow the fellowship side of it. Because where, where were, I mean, think about where were they when Jesus appeared? They were in a room praying, eating. They, I mean, they, they were together. And in that, Jesus gave an opportunity for this to continue to play out. I mean, it's just like when, when I read that, and I paused for a minute, and I don't know if it sounds just that life-altering and mind-shaping you, but when I, when I read that phrase, when you've turned back, the confidence of that, I'm going to make sure that that happens in you. You do what's been done in you for someone else. You strengthen as I've strengthened. Um. I want, to, I want to read one more passage, um, again, just a couple of verses. And, and I want to, man, sometimes, some Sundays I just get very aware of how messed up I am and, 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 and very appreciative that I get to preach the Word of God. Um, I, I, I don't... Um, as as a as a pastor, I, I'm not somebody who's um, I'm not a I'm not a pusher a shover I'm not a drag somebody to the front of the line and and say hey you need to do this now no, like that that's that's not my tendency and I'm not saying that's always the Holy Spirit I'm saying that's that's part of my nature um, I'm not somebody who jumps into community groups really well I've told you this before I don't make friends 
super well. I'm awkward. I'm like, I, I just, I am. Like, if you want to, if you want to feel better about yourself, trail along for a couple of days. Just see how I struggle interacting with people. You'll feel great. I mean, it's, it'll be amazing. You'll go home, you'll strut, you'll walk. I mean, you'll think, gosh, this is, this is awesome, right? And, but, but I want to tell you something. Um, when, when, I, when, I, when I moved into the pastor of this church, I left at my former church a, a real tight-knit community um, of people that really, we, we met regularly, we studied, we, we, did, we did that together, and we were working within the same ministry. Um, I, I moved out of that, and I came here, and, and I, I did what I would call, um, I, I dipped my toes in the water. But you know what somebody does when they dip their toes in the water? They're just, like, they're testing out the temperature, but they're just, they're putting off the inevitable. They just don't want to get all the way in. And, and I, out of my nature, tend to love the, the work of ministry, but I'm awkward when it comes to what ministry is for all of us. You know, you know what ministry is for all of us? It, it's, it's being in Christian community, all of us, being Jesus into each other's lives. And, and, and I'm good one-on-one relationships, and, and I'm good big, like this kind of thing, because God has gifted me to do this. It's, it's not my nature. It's, I believe it's a spiritual gift he's given me. But, but I only at a couple times would kind of go in, and then I, would, then I would then sometimes step out out of, busyness, and I'm not telling you just as a pastor how I may have failed you. I'm telling you how I've failed myself in my own Christian walk. But I will tell you this. This year, as we prepared to, to get into, um, offer a new format on some, some building healthy community in a, in a specific format, um, number one, I began to meet with one guy about it. And I praise the Lord for that one friendship because that one friendship, even this past week, was an opportunity to share something and then be challenged by a brother in Christ over it. But it wasn't just that one conversation. That then led to us beginning to meet, and, and not, with, not with a perfect plan in mind, but just began to meet with a group of people and sit around. And, and it is, and I was reminded, life changing and there's a million different ways you can do it a million different ways but but the, but it is life changing when it happens but it is different it is di- and this is what this is what the lord really kind of instilled in me because i believe that just him knowing how where i am of my own struggles in life that he began to really show me the differences between just good friendships and christian community Friendships will be there beside you in the middle of, the, of, of some of the worst junk. And those friendships may be with Christian people. But I have found in my life there are friendships that tend to jump into agreement first instead of walking in consistent challenge. And by that I mean sometimes I've noticed in my life and in the lives of others that I counsel with, Christians come along and, and agree real fast and want to kind of show support through agreement, when really agreement was not the healthiest thing. It should have been a challenge from a brother or sister to go, hey, we need to get rooted in the cornerstone of Jesus Christ about how we think about this and how we see this situation. 
And I find that we, we don't, as, as, as believers, I, I, don't, I don't think that our healthiest environments are always when we say, okay, I've got plenty of friend time, but not as much um, real Christian community time. And, and that's, that, that is different, that is still different from Sunday. Sunday is a corporate time for us to all to kind of be same direction, same time, same experience, shared experience. And this is where we, this next phase is really where we dig in more into just the stuff of life. And, and as those things come up and sharing regularly. I want to read a couple of verses to you that I think are fleshed out real well um, in Hebrews uh, chapter 10. Now, this culture, this culture. This is a Jewish culture this is written to. They were very accustomed to the corporate side of worship, everybody following the same law. But with Jesus, they had to really grow in their understanding that they didn't just go listen to a priest, but they were a priest. They were Jesus in them, and they were equipped to be able to take God's word and share it with other people. Um, th- this, is, this is such... Such good insight for how we can see Christian community. It says, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. And, and, and listen, I mean, just think about the segments of this verse. To watch out, but not just to look out, not just to warn someone, but provoke them towards the goodness of what God wants them to do. Now, when we see good works, sometimes um, we, you know, we just we we may be, we may be shortchanged. Just a, a simple, uh, easy to understand phrase, and we, we we rob it of its deep meaning. Good works can be, well, watching out, and and good works can be um, as regular as, hey, listen, before you go talk to the person that you've just been talking about. Let's talk about how communication should happen if it's guided by the Holy Spirit. I want you to watch out for some things because of what I've heard you say. So as you go have that conversation, now let's pray together over it. Let's talk about what it should be. And, and let's really seek the Lord on this together. And then following up with that person after that kind of conversation. Like it can be as regular as that or it could be as significant as something that's really a major life change. Job, family, relationship, finances, all that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's not either or, it's all. It's, it's, it's all of it. And as that passage continues on, it says, and not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing. So it's, there's, there's habit on both sides. Anybody in here ever fell out of the habit of church? Just church in general. I'm talking services, regular, just, just honest. Yeah. Remember how easy that was? It didn't start out with us wanting to just not go to a church. It started out by going, yeah, I won't be here this Sunday. Or it started out because of something like COVID. It, it started out of whatever, and then we just, we just kind of stepped back. And then, you know what it exposed in our hearts? Well, we started scratching our heads going, well, maybe I wasn't as committed originally as I thought I was. You ever felt, anybody, like two, who's ever fell out of the habit of, of, of like small group ministry in your life, like a community group that time. Anybody ever follow the habit of that? Yeah. And, and, and what do we do? One ends six weeks, and, and we, we're busy. We're so busy, and it's busy with good things, and then we step out of it. See, you see what I'm saying? There's habit on both sides. So here's, here's the real question, and here's the question that I came up with really in my own life, and I'm not telling you how you should think. I'm just here this morning telling you how my brain processed and how my soul processed with the Lord. On this, 
I had plenty of individuals in my life. I had no shortage of individuals that I could go to if I needed them. I, knew, I know who they are. They're still the same people. They're there if I need them. But here's, here, this was the risky thing. I was living day to day and week by week th- deciding myself, do I need them or not? And if I didn't need them, guess what didn't happen? Conversation. So I had to decide in my life. I really had to ask this question. This is what I felt like really the Lord was showing me out of this scripture and just out of a wealth of others. Derek, is, is, is the risk worth it? Is the risk of, of needing Jesus in Chris, because we sat at the same table the other night, is, is the risk of not having Jesus in Chris on a regular basis, sharing with you and talking to you and listening to you, is, is the risk of that worth it? Because what I don't know is when my name comes up in conversation where Satan says, let me have a go at it. Let me get, let me get some shakes in, in his life. Let me, let me jerk him around a little bit and see how this falls out. I, I think there's some stuff in his life that's not real faith. Jesus will always be there in my soul. I believe that I'm saved. But Jesus built the church the way he shows us that he built the church. With Jesus in us and Jesus around us with other people. That's the question I had to wrestle with. And it was tough because busyness and my nature and and, and all those things really kept whispering. Pull back. You're good. But you know what I heard in my head several times? I'll be straight with you. Man, you're a pastor. You're in it every day. Truthfully, I mean, I'd hear that kind of stuff. And, and, and yours may be different than mine. But the call that Jesus puts on us is all the same. It's all the same. Now, I want to tell you this, just kind of wrapping up. Um, just like Jesus experienced, there is, uh, there's miles to walk with people through life. There's meals to have. There's, there's great deep conversations where everybody gets it and everybody's on the same page. And there's also, there's also the very real potential that people are people. And I'm willing to roll the dice that if I'm one, you're one too. So we don't do this kind of, I, I don't do this kind of thing because everybody in the circle is perfect. I do this because I want to see how close we can all walk with Jesus while we're here. Really experiencing glory now. Would you mind bowing your heads just for a second? As we consider, um, and, th- and there is, there's an opportunity today. Um, after this service, um, if you're a guest here or if you need to leave, you've had other plans, totally understand those things. Um, you, you, you need to slip out and kind of move your way out to something. Um, that, that's totally fine. Um, but, but for anybody that would and, and will, it's going to be a few minutes not going to be long, and I can promise you that because I'm not the one leading it. Really? No more last than that. Wow. Um, Mike Lozano is going to lead this, and he's just going to talk to you about one form of this, of what we've talked about, um, that you can start to consider how you can be a part of. Um, and it's going to be just in here in this room, so you can just stay where you're at about two or three minutes after um, the final goodbye. That sounded imminent. Um, the end of the service. Uh, Mike will be up front. He'll get started.
But I, I just want, I want you to just hear in your minds. I, I really pray that you take and meditate on not just the, the instruction of Hebrews, but the real life working out of this in, um, in Luke 22. And I just hope you really take this with you and you hear all that Jesus did into the life of, of Peter because that's what happens with Jesus in all of us. But then I hope you hear how Jesus interwove it into this needs to happen between you. Between you. That's goal number four. That's the fourth goal that we're going to talk about in this series. Intentional, habit-made Christian community. Father God, thank you so much for the love that you show us through Jesus. Thank you, God, for these moments that we have to pray. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that would like prayer over a need in their life, if there's someone that's here ready to begin their relationship, their walk with Jesus, that, that if today is their day of salvation, that they'll come forward. Lord, I pray that we'll hear about um, needs that are on hearts during this song if someone would like to step forward. But God, Lord, help us to open our hearts and our minds and meditate on your truth, Lord, to know what it is that we should do to faithfully follow you. And I know that, Lord, there will be a million questions about how we could add something as significant as this set of new relationships. But Lord, help us to trust you. God, help us to not have to try to stress over figuring out how can I move this and this and this. But God, Lord, just be aware that everything that is valuable, God, you make a way for in your kingdom and in our lives. So God, I pray that you would not, you would help us, Lord, to not allow our lives to get to the point that we're totally shaken by our awareness that we lack intentional habit formed Christian community but God that we would find it before we need it before the felt need of it is so heavy Lord I know God what you did in the lives of the disciples 3100 miles all that Lord I just I see the the significance and the volume of that and Lord I thank you for relationships that I've been able to experience in my life that have had miles and miles and miles sharing of ministering and God I pray for all of us that in this year there will be beginnings and, and re-beginnings of that within our church family not next year or 10 years from now but God we wouldn't wait longer than just this year now Lord it's all these things we pray in the name of Jesus Amen would you stand to your feet